shame and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, where springs of living water did abound. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. How sweet the living water from the hills of God. It makes me glad and happy all the way. Now glory, grace, and blessing mark the path I've trod. I'm shouting hallelujah every day. Drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. Oh, sinner, won't you come today to Calvary? A fountain there is flowing deep and wide. Savior, now invites you to the water free, where thirsting spirits can be satisfied. Drinking at the springs of living water, happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. Drinking at the springs of living water, oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. Amen. Please remain standing for prayer this morning. Brother Marshall, would you pray for us? Man, thank you. Maybe see you unless you celebrate a birthday and anniversary. We'd like to recognize you at this time. All right. A couple birthdays. Let's sing happy birthday this morning. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Feel free to get around and acknowledge those teenagers and their birthday. Awesome. So uh, I want to introduce you to the Lukies. If some of you remember them from being here, um, I think it was March, February, March. Uh, they came, presented their ministry, and we took them on at that time. But Brother Augustus and Miss Allie and Aiden is in the nursery uh, you guys see Aiden, he's a keeper all the way. Um, but uh, I was just admiring their handiwork. Um, Brother uh, Gus got up here and Lalo and Richard. And it's just, it sure beats plastic, okay? We're not going to leave it that way. It doesn't beat it that much. But anyhow, we're on the way. Thankful for drywall. And uh, thank you very much for coming and helping with all that. Uh, so we'll, uh, from our announcements here, we have uh, Sunday School Children's Church Meeting following uh, the afternoon service today. 
and so would encourage all teachers and helpers and workers or anyone interested in being a teacher, helper, or worker to show up for that meeting following the afternoon service. Uh, we have Patch Pirates starting on Wednesday night, the 13th. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you need that. Uh, if you have any questions, please see Brother Stephen Foster. Uh, we have uh, Brother John Roy going to be with us next week. Looking forward to having him and his wife. And uh, it's going to be a real uh, privilege to have them with us. And then we have a men's recharge coming up September 22nd through 23rd. Uh, Brother Sam Davison's going to be preaching, Brother Alfred King and Brother Chad Berry. And uh, if you're interested in that, cost is $60 a person and uh, includes a shirt and the sign-up sheet in the back. And we need to get that all wrapped up today. And so uh, if you want to go, we'd love to have you. Uh, please take care of that. Ladies' dinner. Uh, Friday, September 22nd uh, at Sombrero's at 6 o'clock. And so uh, all the guys that are gone, a lot of times ladies like to get together and do dinner. And even if your guy didn't go and you want to go do dinner, that's great at Sombrero's. Uh, We have a revival starting September 24th through 27th. Brother Harold Wells uh, is coming, bringing his family. It's going to be great to have them with us. And then outreach on October the 7th. From our prayer area, I ask that you remember to pray for these that are listed here. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you Brother Lalo and Miss Caitlin. Uh, we sure have been missing them. Good to have them back home. Please continue to pray uh, for them uh, during the loss of Miss Caitlin's mama. Um, but it's sure good to have them home and uh, back with us. And I just can't say enough good things about that. Uh, pray for the others listed here. Miss Deanna is still recuperating from her surgery. And uh, just continue to lift those up. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. And uh, we sure have much to be thankful for. And one of those things is that Miss Pam is here. Uh, so it's good to have Pam Quinlan back. And uh, she's moved off back east. I thought she'd get all high kaflutin and forget who we were. But here she is visiting. And so it's good to have Mrs. Quinlan here. And I want to say a special thank you to those who helped with the youth rally. Uh, it went off uh, pretty good. I think I heard numbers like 150, 175, something like that. Uh, and uh, Brother Jeremiah got up and just preached, and uh, it was a good meeting. We sure praise God for all those that invested, whether you brought cookies or drinks or whatever, uh, or, or came and gave of your time. We really appreciate that. And to invest in our young people is probably one of the greatest resources that we can invest in. And so thank you for investing in that, making that youth rally a success. Uh, we sure thank God for it. Going to have Brother Foster come lead us in another song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you for being here today. We'll turn to hymn number 127, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. We'll sing the first and the last verses of hymn number 127. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, 
This time you can be dismissed to your Sunday school class. My class will be in Second Chronicles today, chapter number seven. through this mini-series right now, and I'm looking forward to another series that we have on order. We'll be here soon, uh, but in the meantime, we have some good things here that God can show us and teach us, in having victory in Jesus. We sing the song often, but do we truly live it? Do we have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ? And the Lord has it for us, but will we claim it, and will we live it? Now, there's some things that we need to do in order to have that victory, and we must understand those things in order to apply them to our lives that we and truly see the victory that God has for us. So, uh, I know you're familiar with Second Chronicles 7, you probably know where I'm going to go, but I want to spend a little bit of time here giving some background and, and building uh, the case, if you will, for what this lesson uh, portrays and what it has, the topic it has to deal with. Uh, the lesson today is victory over national decline. Now, how many of you would say that our nation is in decline? All right, I think a vast majority would say that. I won't ask the other questions, how many think we're just... Uh, towing the line where we should be, or those that I think we are actually uh, going the opposite direction and actually doing well. Well, I don't think any of us would say that. We can all agree that there's a national decline going on now. If we can go back and look at the founding of our nation and understand some things from our forefathers, and every year we pause at the 4th of July, and what do we do at that time? We celebrate the freedom that we enjoy as citizens of the United States of America, in 1776, 55 courageous men signed a document in which they pledged our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to secure liberty for themselves and their descendants and to help birth a nation. I can't help but imagine what our forefathers would think if they looked at America today and what it has become. It certainly isn't the vision that they had for it, and it certainly isn't uh, what they desired. And I think that we can draw some things from our heritage and understand what was fought for and see that they align with those things that uh, we see in the Word of God. We see that the Word of God aligns with the vision that they had and what they desired to do, that men would have religious liberty, that they would have the ability to serve Jesus Christ in the way that He has outlined for us to do so in the Word of God. 
So revisionist historians are doing all that they can to destroy our, our appreciation of our godly heritage. They're trying to even say that we were not founded upon godly principles. They frequently claim that the founding fathers were deists and atheists, but primarily economic motives. Yet in reality, an overwhelming majority of those men, including 52 of the 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence, put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. At the same time, they were declaring independence from Great Britain. They were declaring their dependence on God. They were declaring that they wanted God to be their supreme rule. And they wanted God to guide their path and light their way. Yet while we have a great heritage in our nation, we would have to admit that the spiritual, moral, and family situation in our country today is desperately in need of revival and a return to the faith of our forefathers. Now I'd like to read for you some, some statistics here from a Gallup poll that was taken in uh, June of 2022, asking Americans uh, what they would, how they would rate the moral values of America. So a record high of 50% of Americans rate the overall state of moral values in the U.S. as poor, and another 37% say it's only fair. Just 1% think the state of moral values is excellent, and 12% good. And although negative views of the nation's moral values have been the norm throughout the Gallup's 20-year trend, the current poor rating is the highest on record by one percentage point. Now, there's a lot of other information here I could give about different situations, um, who particularly was in office and who, was, who wasn't in office, how it affected those numbers, and I think you probably understand that, um, but we have leaders that will raise the standard of morality, and then we have those that will push against it. Uh, so we understand that there's some ebb and flow in that, but... As we look to the Word of God and we use it as our guide for morality, we understand that our nation is in great decline. And we have much that we need to do as Christians, as individual Christians, uh, to help this situation. Now, as we look to it, and uh, some would say, yes, we need a political leader to turn this around. Well, that's not what God says. Uh, God says something different. God's plan for bringing revival to overcome national decline is laid out for us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. David wanted to build a temple for the nation of Israel or Jerusalem, but was not allowed to do so. Uh, so he prepared the materials, and his son Solomon oversaw the building of it and the construction there. And during the dedication week, the Lord appeared to Solomon and gave him a promise for the nation. And if the point came where, because of their sins, God began to judge his people, there was something that they could do. So these same ingredients here that uh, God had for them will work for any nation that ex is experiencing God's hand of judgment for turning away from Him. And God gives us a prescription for national revival and renewal. Sometimes as we look around at our nation that has turned away from God or is turning their back on God, we wonder, what can we do? What can I do to change this situation? Where do I begin? And when we need help from heaven, we must begin with an honest evaluation of ourselves. As individual Christians, we can make a difference in our nation. So there is something we can do. There is something we can do to help. So let's look now at our text, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and begin reading here in verse number 12. The Bible says here, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to myself for an house of a sacrifice. 
If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So we see here the, the remedy or the prescription, if you will, uh, that God gives for any nation that has turned its back against God. So the first thing we must do if we are going to uh, have victory in Jesus in this area of national decline, we must seek personal revival. Now, as we have a revival coming up, and we should be praying about that already, asking the Lord to search our hearts and help us to understand the areas that we are going against God, or maybe we're disobedient to God, and and turn those things over to God, that we would be in full obedience to Him and what He desires. So we need to seek that personal revival in our life. Revival is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. So why do we have national decline? Why is, why are the, is the morality of our nation declining? Well, it, it stems from a lack of fear and reverence towards a holy God. If men and women understood and, and recognized and admitted who God was, it would make a change in their life, and they would want uh, then to do those things that would bring honor and glory to His name. But we, we don't have that in, in many people around us, but yet, as God's children, we certainly should have that desire. We understand who God is, and we understand that He has expectations for us. He is a holy God, and He is a righteous God. And we ought to be willing to serve Him and obey Him. So we, this revival is then recognizing once again that, that awareness of who God is and how we ought to serve Him. So national revival is really nothing more than a collection of individual revivals. An awareness of the presence of a holy God changes the way people live. Think about the moment of your salvation, the recognition that you were a sinner and on your way to hell and that a a holy and righteous God sent His only begotten Son to this earth to save you from your sin, that recognition, that awareness of what Jesus Christ did for you and where you were destined to as a sinner on your way to hell, the change that it made in your life, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, we have to have that same awareness of the holy God to make those changes in our lives that line up with the precepts and principles of the Word of God, bringing us into a place of a, uh, that we have close communion and fellowship with our Savior because we have dedicated our lives to Him in obedience and submission to His will. So as Americans, we need to ask for personal revival. And our text starts off this way. It says, if my people. So the word my there in this text it indicates to us that there are some who are God's people and there are some who are not. In our age of inclusive theology, often someone says, well, we're all God's children. Well, that's simply not true. Jesus told some of the leading religious figures of His day, ye are of your father, the devil. Those who were of the religious sect, He told them that they are of their father, the devil. Only those who know Jesus Christ as Savior are actually God's people. So God's plan for national revival is not for sinners to change themselves, but it's for the saved to live in obedience to the Word of God. 
So God's plan for national revival begins with His people who have been born into His family. Being an American does not make a person a Christian. Only accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior does that. So my people understand He's talking to saved individuals, those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their life. So He's talking to a saved um, to the saved people here when he's talking about my people. Now, the next thing he says is this, if my people which are called by my name. So at the time that God gave this promise of revival to Solomon, the Jewish nation was called by God's name. Since the first century, believers in Jesus have been known by the name Christian. We understand that they were first called Christians in Antioch. The name was actually given to them by non-believers, the enemies of Christ, because they recognized that they were Christ followers. In other words, they were doing those things that Christ taught them and that uh, He commanded of them to do. So they were Christ followers. They were committed to following Jesus and living as He did. So the name Christian literally means Christ-like or Christ followers. Could that be the label that this world would give you today if they did not know that you named the name of Christ But by the way that you live, the way that you conducted yourself, they would understand that you are a Christ follower. So it would be a wonderful thing if those who saw us could say that about us. Do not be ashamed of the name of of Christ. Do not be ashamed to be a Christian. Stand up for the truth. Stand up for Jesus Christ. It is what this world needs, and He is the solution. So we have a lot of Christians today who do not want to be identified, or they try to, uh, to blend in with the world. Uh, They are not proclaiming that they are Christians, but we, as members of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, should be willing to stand up for the name of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there are many who do. But that is what this nation needs. That's what uh, will heal our nation, is Christians living as Christians, living according to the Word of God. So we, we need to seek personal revival. So we have a personal responsibility. I'm a child of God. I need to act like it. I need to behave like it, and I need to be willing then to proclaim the name of Christ to those around me. Next, we see that uh, it turns to a a prayerful solution. We need to seek prayerful renewal. This is an interesting story of how prayer can work and bring about revival. In the 1850s, the Fulton Street Prayer Revival began. A businessman named Jeremiah Lempier decided to invite others to meet him at noon each day for prayer. A small room on the third floor of the Fulton Street Church was secured for the first meeting. On that day, Lamphere found himself all alone in a room with 20 chairs. After 15 or 20 minutes, a few men wandered in. Six men were present at the first meeting. Lamphere continued to invite others. As the days passed, a handful of praying men turned into several dozen. Soon the church on Fulton Street was too small to hold the crowd gathering for prayer. Arrangements were made with churches across the city to host the gatherings. Within a few weeks, over 10,000 were meeting daily for prayer in the New York City church. There was no formal preaching. Rarely was there even music. Anyone who wished could have five minutes to address the group. The power of the revival was thousands of believers gathering to pray. Requests were read out and sent in from around the country. On more than one occasion, a request would be made for someone who, unknown to the person making the request, was present at the prayer meeting. The prayer movement spread across the country. Chicago, Philadelphia, and other large cities saw thousands uh, meeting to pray each day at noon. 
In smaller cities, the power of the revival was just as strong. According to estimates, as many as one million people may have been saved between 1857 and 1859 as a direct result of this prayer revival. A national renewal comes through the prayers of God's people who are called by His name and diligently seek His face. Now, consider the dedication here to prayer that these uh, people had at that time. Now, we can look at those in other religions, uh, specifically the Muslims, where they set aside a time to pray. Christians, are you setting aside the time to pray? We need to be praying. God says it's the remedy. It's what we need to do. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for our revival. We need to be praying that we're right first, then proclaiming Jesus Christ to those around us, and then praying for our nation that it might be healed. So we need to seek this prayerful renewal. Well, how, how do we approach this? Well, first of all, we understand we need to humble ourselves, as our text says, through humility. Approaching God with humility. This goes against the grain of our culture, yet the spirit and attitude of prayer requires humility. Peter said this, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I don't think there's any one of us who, who does not enjoy and are grateful for the grace of God. And God says He will give grace to those who are humble. It ought to be a desire of our heart to humble ourselves before God, that we would continue to experience the grace of God upon our life. God does not want to be around proud people. And if you're honest, we don't enjoy being around proud people either. Um, so he looks at the heart that is willing to acknowledge a need and dependence on him. The very first thing on the list of sins that God hates is pride. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. God is looking for humble people. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. As we consider again our forefathers, they recognize their need for divine help. They humbled themselves before God and solicited Him through prayer that He might help. On July 6, 1776, Samuel Adams stated, The right of freedom is a gift of Almighty God. These principles are clearly seen in the, in the New Testament. So we need to humble ourselves before God, approaching Him with the right spirit and the right attitude of submission and understanding that we have a need of Him in our life. So humble yourself before the Lord and then pray. Prayer is an assault on our human autonomy. We, want to, we desire in our flesh to be able to do things on our own, to solve things on our own, take care of situations on our own. It is an acknowledgement of our need for help. Jesus told His disciples that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The unstated corollary is that if we do not pray, we will faint. We must seek God's help in dealing with our personal and national need for revival. So, mostly an older crowd in here, I think we recognize with a little bit of age that we need help. We need God's help in our life. Now, maybe the younger ones have not quite learned that yet, and they, they feel like they can handle things, but I think that we've experienced enough to understand that we need God's help. We certainly need God's help, and we need His intervention in our life. Prayer involves turning from our sins. It's important to note that God said His people needed to turn from their wicked ways. We need to ask God to cleanse our heart. 
cleanse our wicked soul, <laughs> cleanse our wicked thoughts. We need to repent of those things. We cannot expect to see a revival by getting the abortionists to close up their shops or the homosexuals to repent. Revival begins when God's people turn from their sins. The key is with God's people. God's message to His people is to turn from our sins. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Revelation 3.19 tells us. So God's message to the church of Laodicea and to His churches today is to turn from our wicked ways. Someone said revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. When we were saved at that moment, we wanted to be in full submission and obedience to God. We wanted to do the things that He desired of our life, and that should not wane, or, and that we should not uh, uh, continue in a, in a way that is against God after we're saved, but we should then turn to Him and allow our lives to be in full submission and obedience to His way and to His will. So we need to be willing to change your mind every time the Lord convicts your heart. So just as, we, as children, as we're raising them, uh, there's a lot of times and a lot of need for correction. Getting them back on the right path. Guiding their thought process in the right way. God has to do the same thing with us. And he has to get us back in a place where we're thinking right and where we're doing right. And He convicts our heart. And that conviction is an opportunity for us to change our mind and repent of those sins that we've committed. So we need to seek prayerful renewal. Well, we see the order here. We have to seek personal revival. We need to seek the Lord in prayer with humility. And then, the result. We need to seek powerful restoration. God promises that when we follow His prescription, He will respond out of the greatness of His power. He is able to do great and mighty things which thou knowest not, which thou knowest not. Our responsibility is to have faith in his promises, trust in his word, and his word will come to fruition. He will fulfill his requirements for revival. We must do our part, and he is always faithful to do his part. So one of the greatest displays of the power of God in the scripture was the fire of God falling on Elijah's altar on Mount Carmel. That day God showed the nation of Israel that He is the true and living God. It's a great story of God's power. And there's no power in our efforts and organizational ability that changes hearts apart from the fire of heaven. A national restoration only comes through His power. So God's promise of national revival is conditional. The condition is this. If my people, if... Are you willing? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Only after we do what he has commanded will he work to bring revival that we need. So what will God do? Well, God will hear. We should be grateful that we serve a God who hears our prayers. And compare that with the false gods that so many people are dedicated to, that they're giving their lives to, that are dead, and it's in vain. Gods who do not hear, gods who do not answer. People travel to Sedona, Arizona, a beautiful place, but they go there for the wrong reasons, some of them. Some go to worship, 
and meditate among the red rocks. We have celebrities or those that people would look to for guidance and direction. I don't know why you would look to a celebrity for that, but many people do. And they're pushing all kinds of false ideologies, such as Scientology and other religions. People have a void in their spiritual lives. They're looking for something. That's, that's built within. That's, in, that's something God has put within us, a desire to serve, a desire and, a, and an, an understanding that there's something greater. That's built within every person. So they're searching for something to, to fill that void. You see, sin created a void, and that void is God. God was meant to be a part of every individual life. So the void is there, and people are trying to fill that void with so many things. And this world is right there at your door, wanting to fill or try to fill that void with false religions, (laughs) with things that cannot fulfill, but yet people chase many of them trying to find fulfillment. So God hears when we pray. Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. So God will hear. As we humble ourselves and pray, and ask God for forgiveness of our sins, that we might have a right relationship with Him, a right fellowship with Him, God will hear. And as we petition God on behalf of our nation, God will hear our prayers. And then God will forgive. The psalmist said, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I'm thankful that God is always ready to forgive. Uh, As we have relationships in this this world and in this life, uh, sometimes we find it hard to forgive, but our God never finds it hard to forgive. He's always willing to forgive as long as we come to Him asking for that forgiveness. So it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, when you turn to God in repentance, what does God do? He will forgive. He freely and abundantly offers pardon when we ask. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So it doesn't matter who we are, or what we have done, forgiveness is available. And it's available to us through the riches of the grace of God. And that grace has been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you thankful today for God's forgiveness? Are you thankful for His rich grace? Well, we ought to be. And it ought to humble us that we have a God who loves us so much to be willing to invest so much in us. He's willing to forgive us that he might have that relationship that he so desires with us. So God will hear, he will forgive. I'm thankful for this last part, that he will heal. He will heal. A nation that can build prison, that cannot build these prisons fast enough to hold the people that we're sending there. A land where children are snatched from their homes and killed. A nation such as this needs healing. We need help. A country that murders the unborn needs healing. That healing only comes when God's people turn to Him. There is no real joy until there is real revival. Psalm 85, 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? We have a real problem in our nation. 
And Colin Powell, which I don't agree with everything he said, but he said this about our nation. He understood that there are issues and there's national decline. So he said this, we have to start thinking of America as a family. We have to stop screeching at each other, stop hurting each other, and instead start caring for, sacrificing for, and sharing with each other. We have to stop constantly criticizing, which is the way of the malcontent, and instead get back to the can-do attitude that made America. We have to keep trying and risk failing in order to solve this country's problems. We cannot move forward if cynics and critics swoop down and pick apart anything that goes wrong to a point where we lose sight of what is right, decent, and uniquely good about America. I agree with a lot of what he said there. But the remedy is found in what we've just studied today. The remedy is found in us willing to seek personal revival. To seek God on our knees in prayer. And asking God to work in us and through us that we might be the influence and have the impact on our nation that it so desperately needs. The solution is not found in sinners. The solution is found in Christians following the Lord Jesus Christ with their life. So the spirit that Colin Powell speaks of is only going to happen through revival, and without God it is never going to happen. Men are not basically good. There are songs out there today saying that people are basically good. They're not. The Bible says contrary. So men are not basically good. And without His Spirit directing the hearts and minds of men, they will not naturally sacrifice for the common good. Now when do we see the nation coming together? Well, it's usually a result of a great catastrophe. We can think back to 9-11 and see how at that time our nation came together. What happened during that time? Many people were praying. People were on their knees praying because they understood that they needed God. They needed uh, His divine help. So, we see the remedy. What are you going to do about it? Are you willing to be a part of what this nation needs? So, What can we do to help America? The answer to our national problems is for us to seek God. First for personal revival and then for His power to bring a national renewal to our land. So just as we read that story of the prayer revival, you could be the one to start that again in America. We have the solution. And I might encourage you today that it's not, it's not found in our political leaders, not found in our economy, found in God and God alone. And we as individual Christians, determining that we're going to live for Him. We're going to allow Him to move in our lives and and walk in full obedience to His will. Then will God hear from us. Then will He heal our land. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today that You seek to be a part of our life. And Father, not only a part, but the predominant part of our life. Father, I pray that You would help us to recognize all that You've done for us. And the Scriptures that we've read we're familiar with, but yet they're so rich in truth. Father, they speak to us about the great sacrifice you've made on our behalf and giving up your only begotten son to die for us that we who are unworthy would have forgiveness of sins father it makes no sense in my mind i'm thankful that you have a love that seeks to 
to restore, that seeks to have a relationship with every human being. And Father, I pray that uh, you would help us in our daily walk to have that fellowship that you desire with us. Father, as we walk close to you, I pray that others would see the joy that you alone can bring, that they would desire the same thing, that they would see a fire within us, Father, that would have an impact, that would bring conviction to their life. Father, that they would turn to you as their Savior. Father, I pray that you would heal our land. Father, I pray that we would recognize that it starts with us. I pray that you would just work in us even throughout this month as we have revival. I, be, I pray that we would begin to think about what you would have us to do. Father, just work in our hearts in a, in a mighty way. Father, help us to have an impact on our nation. Father, we thank you and praise you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030.